Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Matty A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's Wealth Building Wednesday. What up? Mr. Breedwell. Some south of the border vibes right there rolling your R's at me. I'm uh, I'm getting ready because I'm, um, well, one, I'm seven days, well, day eight of my 75 hard. The first week was God bless you. a bitch. You no, know, the first three days is really, I feel like. It's rough, man. I feel like it's getting lost. My body was literally like withdrawing from sugar and all the beer cheese. and alcohol that I drank. I know you like you know, cheese. Oh, I love cheese. We mm. drank. And ate a lot of wine and cheese and nap of the weekend prior. So it feels good to kind of turn that corner. Now I'm feeling dangerous. As you guys know, one of my favorite words is weaponized. And man, when you're when you're making the right decisions, as well as when you just make a commitment to yourself and you just follow through on it, I, I can't tell you how many feeling times the good. first week I literally I when I make the girls breakfast in the morning, uh, like ruling. Yeah. Well, they, I love bread and butter. That's like, we joke around in our family. Like that's like one Steak of our house. DNA genomes is like, we love bread and butter with extra butter on top of that. Yeah. And the girls eating toast with butter in the morning. We went out mm. to dinner a couple of times and everybody's, you know, drinking some wine and eating mm. the goodness, but I kept it clean. So it feels good. And um, yeah, after that first week, I'm already down, man. Like, I started the week at 186. I'm at 175 right now. Gosh, dang! If I that's wind, an eight days. Wind, wind blows through, and I don't have like a, I don't have a ton of like fat to lose. No. It's all always around the belly for the dudes. But uh, it feels good to visceral have some momentum in that space, and just some you know exciting things starting off and kicking off for for 2022. How's your new year kicking off? Pretty good. Um, had to pay taxes like we were talking about last week. Good Lord. Uh, minus that, um, 
pool is getting built, which is interesting. I've never, you know, I've never been a part of a construction project in like a winter time phase, but it actually goes pretty quick because they're not doing a ton of projects right now. Um, getting ready to go on a couple more trips here in the next coming months and then just working on stuff. The market's been wild. So that always makes my, um, my days long and my, my job interesting, but it's, uh, never a dull moment at, uh, the firm. Never, ever, ever a dull moment. Well, we got some great updates for you guys in today's show. Uh, of course, our traditional news updates and how what's going on in the world ties into just the overall landscape and temperature of one, the economy, mm -hmm. markets, real estate, crypto. If you are new to the show, welcome, guys. We honestly get to connect with so many new listeners each and every week, and the show continues to grow and expand. As you know, we're out of 2 million plus podcasts, 0.01%. So anywhere from the top Crazy. 100 to 200 podcasts in the world. And the reason that we are is, is you guys. And as you guys know, we like to live like a millionaire in all areas of our life, not just in our bank account. And so on this show, we talk all things money though. And that's what we're gonna do in today's episode. Yes, With that sir. being said though, we got some, uh, some big news this last week from the Supreme Court yes. ruling that essentially OSHA cannot enforce the vaccine mandate for businesses of 100 plus people. Yes. Which I think is- And federal contractors. Win. That was another, it was like federal, con anything that's contracted or worked directly with the federal government, which is a huge blow to the Biden administration, especially when in the same week, the Democrats, he went on a little road trip to try to push his like the voting incentives. Dude, well, listen to this. This was not Biden's call. week. Federal takeover of elections. Yep. Dead on arrival. Didn't get any traction. Nuking legislative filibuster. That's something the Democrats have been pushing hard. Yep. That got struck down. There was, I think, I forget what her name was, but she basically was kind of the deciding vote. I think she was out of Arizona, a Democrat out of Arizona, and just said, so. this isn't something that you know, is a good for either side. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then, which, of course, the Democrats hated that um, private employer vax mandate. Of course, that was struck down. Producer price index surged to an all time high. Consumer price index is the highest since 1982, which I think what, what did it come out this last week? 6.9. 6.9% inflation. You guys said what you're we thinking? We were saying seven six, to seven, six, eight to seven, two. So that was right in line. And then, um, Biden's uh, approval rating, public approval rating is at an all-time low down to 33%. 33%. I saw that. And that's like, that's the, that's the, that's the one that's been, that's the Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac, I think it is, which is pretty touted as very accurate from what I can tell. Um, I mean, so that's not it. Yeah, no, it's not been a good week. And I, and then, you know, you're hearing whispers of Hillary Clinton. They're trying, again. they're trying to test to see, they're putting it out there. Oh, yeah. They're seeing if. Can you imagine they, they, I mean, Hillary who, Clinton, who else, Donald Trump, round two? Who else would they push right now? Um, I don't know. Michelle Obama, like we were saying the other yeah, day. I mean, That's about the only two people I can think. Yeah. I mean, Kamala Harris sucks. Oh, dude. She's like the worst. She really is like the worst. Like there's nothing I don't that, know what she's ever When seen. I see her talk and how condescending she is and her responses to very logical and reasonable questions, the arrogance that oozes out of her, it, it makes it makes it really hard to think that anybody would want to follow a leader like that. Yeah, she sucks. 
I mean, it's, it, it blows my mind. And, you know, I think they're going to have a, well, I mean, they've lost a significant amount of their base that is just kind of floating around right now. Cause a lot of Almost their base 70. doesn't like Donald Trump, of course. Right. But they, they, they don't like what their side of the aisle has done and represented and what they said they were going to do and what's actually transpired. I know tons of Democrats that are like, dude, I hate Donald Trump, but this administration is flat out embarrassing. I, I like, I don't even know where to go right now. I'm yeah. just, I'm just going to like go over here. And I that's why I float around in this independent space. Cause I'm like, dude, like, I don't feel like either of these sides is the greatest representation of leadership and what America stands for. I was in, fine with, with sassy tweets though. I can live with that. Although I, I can, cringeworthy, I was, gas was two bucks a gallon. The economy was doing that's what well. I said, I said you, the what, world respected us. Yeah. Policy wise, you, you can hate him, but at the end of the it day, worked. it worked. Results are results. Yeah. And you know what I will say? That's probably the best sign that you're going to get results is when people bitch and moan because that's what kids do and you do the right thing for them too. Agreed. Well, if you needed permission to get back to living life normally, Bill Gates says once the Omicron variant passes, Gators, COVID will be more likely a seasonal flu. <gasps> Are you serious, Bill? I literally, I think we said it was going to be an endemic back in mid-2020. I mean, it was just like, it's, it's, duh, it's not going to get eradicated. And now you've got permission from uh, all of a sudden the most well-respected doctor on the planet, right? Well, well I don't know. I thought he's number two. That. That's number two to Fauci. Yeah. Man, I, have you seen what's been coming out from Project Veritas this week on Exposed Fauci? And yeah. Homie his, has some straight... He, I was checking out oh, his dude, brokerage he, account he, statements. He, he's, he's, getting, he's getting some deep, deep incentives oh, yeah. from Big Pharma, the medical mafia. Yep. And bro, I like, man, whether you like Project Veritas or not, like my, my thing is a lot of the people on the right, even though they spit facts and like they, they really do. There is one, a level of arrogance that I think, you know, it, I struggle with sometimes a lack of humility, but the other side of it is, is like, whether you like them or not, they spit facts. Oh yeah. Like, they've, like they've never, a, there is they, a lot and lot of truth. They've in never what, lost a court case. And that's talk, pretty impressive. Yeah. And talking about what uh, James O'Keefe and Project Veritas do with like heavily researched stuff. And a lot of it is very transparent too, because they're videoing and phone calls and all kinds of stuff that is really just hard to negate. And some of the stuff that came out from Fauci this week, if you go to Project Veritas on their Instagram or, or their website, um, the exposed Fauci video was like, gave me chills down my spine. Yeah, it was pretty crazy that the... He, and dude's been doing this for decades, by yeah, the way. Same guys. thing happened in the AIDS um, epidemic and all that stuff. It's it's the same person. He's got a... Him and his wife have like well over $11 million in investment accounts. Um, I will say that doesn't make me like concerned though, because no, and you like, know what, if he owns all he's mutual- in his sixties and if he's been just investing off his $200,000, like you could get with $11 million, right? He, could, he, he was nice enough to show us his positions. He has all ETFs and mutual funds, just like all politicians should, which I think is something we're going to talk about a little bit later. But the bad part was the stuff that you're talking about 
he tried the thing that's being pushed by the liberal outlets is like, look at his brokerage account statement at Charles Schwab. Look, well, yeah, that's part of his assets, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about the the non, they're supposed to be non-classified documents that were sealed and classified. It says at the top of the documents, declassified. Mm-hmm. So that should be declassified public information. They were sealed and classified documents. That's the issue. Um, and the reason that it was sealed and classified documents was because what was done behind closed doors and what it's led to. Well, if you want to get back on a cruise, cruise line is no longer required to follow CDC guidance for COVID. I don't know why that is. I mean, what isn't that where like weren't people stranded? That was like during, the that was like the hot spot epicenter of yeah. You know, I remember Carnival Cruise Lines being talked about. Yeah, that's weird. Cause I actually think like three months ago we were talking about they were they were saying oh yeah some are some aren't. Royal Caribbean's going to do this. Mm-hmm. Carnival's going to do this. Yep. Um, I, I I don't know what you know. Most of the time when you're on a cruise, correct me if I'm wrong, you're outside. I mean, you're on a boat. I'm on a boat. On a boat. But you're outside most of the time. Um, so that makes complete sense to me. But at the same time, how are they going to recommend vaccinations in one thing and then say, oh, no, but everybody can jump on a boat and, and hop to other places? I mean, at the end of the day, it's just it. another perfect example of the incongruency yeah. of every damn policy. And it's like again, it, it's, it's just not about health. It's about power. Yeah. It's about Feeling politics. Um, right. And really, at the end of the day, it's just about money, which we do like money. and. Uh, Talking about money, preventing at least politicians from making it, bills that would ban Congress members from stock trading were introduced this last week. And I don't think our girl Nancy is too happy about that. No, but her, a lot of her constituents are saying that it, that, like, because she feels that way, it sways the weighting of her decisions to them and the public because it's like, it, it influences your decision making when you have a direct investment in a stock because then you own that company. That that's that has to be something you can't do. You can't. And most of the stuff they do is options. I mean, she just bought a ton of options on the S. Yeah, we talked about that in last week's episode. If you guys missed that on her her top trades, S spice. She got spy calls. Yep, I'm telling you that's a good sign though. That's what you got to listen for. New legislation requires members of Congress and their families to place stock portfolios into blind trusts while in office. An overwhelming majority of Republicans, Democrats, and independents support a congressional stock trading ban. Members who violate rules of the Ban Congressional Stock Trading Act, that is what was just introduced, would be fined in the amount of their entire congressional salary. Sick. That's actually a decent fine. 76% of voters across the political spectrum believe members of Congress and their spouses should not be allowed to trade stocks while in office, including nearly 78% of Republicans and 80% of Democrats. What do you guys think? Let us know. Shoot us a text at 844-447-1555. What's your thought on it? I don't think that that people have that have insider information like that should be allowed to trade individual stocks. I'm still allowed to barely trade individual stocks, but I have to like upload my statements quarterly. They're audited. Like so there's that, a heavy amount of compliance. That oh goes yeah. With it, right. A, a third party takes my statements and matches up trade dates with trades that we made to make sure that I'm not doing things before my clients or doing any, I have to trade my accounts with the same holdings at the same time as my clients. So that's, it's just, I don't know like why it's like, I do it. 
because we have insider info. I don't know why it's like such a thing like, oh no. And like my insider info is it's like Martha work. Stewart yeah, quality. Right, nowhere I'm not close getting, to what theirs no, is, right? No, theirs is like directly from, they're getting policymaker. Like they're in the room with the people that make the decisions and then they leave the room and make an investment. Based on those, that's, that's <laughs> that is the definition. so much well, that's the, faster than I could ever get. That is the pinnacle of insider trading right that's there, right? That's why she has so much money. Yeah. Well, here, look at this. Mem- members of Congress that beat SPY in 2021. Can you explain on what SPY means for those S&P that don't know? S&P 500. S&P 500. That means people who beat the market. And like, here's what I will tell you. The hedge fund traders that are extremely smart and stuff, they struggle. And there was less than, I think, 10 last year that beat the market. I mean, we're not going to, there's a lot of smaller people that did, but the ones that they track, there were six people that are big time, six or seven people, I think, that were big time hedge fund traders that beat the market. And here you have like over 20 members of Congress that did. Yeah. So there's, I think you're looking at about 25 names on this list, all members of Congress, the top. Five are all Republicans. Yeah, I don't think it's Austin Scott, Brian Mast, French Hill, John Curtis, and who is now being labeled as a rhino, Mr. Dan Crenshaw. And then in sixth place, you know, Nancy ain't happy being out of that top five. Oh, she's like, she's slowly getting up there. Her and Dan are neck and neck. But very interesting, right? To see politicians, politicians. Yeah beating the S&P 500. I'm just telling there, you. There's something a little fishy about that, right? Yeah. Like, I'll tell you this one. The t- bottom three people on there, even maybe the the, the people like right above that, up to Mr. Yarmouth, yep. that wouldn't cause for concern because you can own individual stocks and beat the market. But then people in the top 15, <laughs> they're getting some information because you can't, you just can't, it's literally almost impossible to beat the market because the market is all-knowing in itself, meaning right. it doesn't share any it, information. It's its own God, right? It literally is. And, and, and I know that that's like confusing in some essences, but it is. There, that's why Warren Buffett like jokes with hedge funds managers a lot of times and he makes bets with them for charities yeah, and even, says, even I'll buy Spy and you, Joe, try to beat the Warren, market. Warren ain't up there. No, Warren Buffett ain't up there. And that dude smokes the market a lot. Um, so like... That's a big cause for concern. And the reason it is, is because a lot of those people are trading, like you, like we were talking about individual equities. And whenever you do that, you have much more downside uh, exposure, right? But you get all that upside movement. So if that stock goes up by 300%, you're going to go up by 300%. Mm-hmm. You're going to make four times your money. So that's like, that's where it becomes an ethical question because no matter what side of the street you vote on, money will sway you and make you do things. I mean, Nancy Pelosi's up there. We have a ton of Republicans up there. Everybody's. Guilty. It looks. It's it looks honestly pretty outside even of the, I would say outside of the top five. If you if you take the average of the list, it's probably fifty fifty of is. Democrats and Republicans. It is. Yep. And I, and I think that that uh, we're getting that information from unusualwheels.com. That's what it says. But just to sort give you the source of that. Yep. Um, and I I think that. That is the, that is more than enough reason. And you know what? Let's just say, hey, we'll give a tip of the hat. And we'll change the rule. We won't back audit anything. But sure. moving on. Yeah. Like, I'm not for going back and all this no, recourse. No. You know, reparation it's a waste type. Of taxpayer it, money. It, yeah. Let's let's just let's let's acknowledge what didn't work in the past or what's wrong and be and pro- let's productive. Fix it yep. Moving forward. 
Yeah. And I think that that's fine. And all those people have made their money and have done their deed. And you know what? Hats off to you for finding a loophole. We're going to close that loophole to make yeah, it, it more fair. We'll for look the at American the mortgage people. crisis back in 2008, right? People yep. made hand over fist, stupid ass amounts of money. But at the end of the day, going back and spending the amount of energy and effort to go and find those people who probably did it a little bit unethically or did it out of integrity, you know, with a lack of integrity, right? Like, just let's fix it moving forward and let's, let's, let's close. Wash our hands of it. Yeah, there's always going to be things in the past that we shouldn't be proud of or aren't right, you know, don't make sense. But let's, let, let's focus on fixing things now and moving forward. Correct. Your Netflix is about to get a little bit more expensive. Netflix just announced that it's raising its subscription prices in the U.S. and Canada by 11% effective immediately. And I think this, well, I'm curious on your thoughts on this. And is this tied last, this last week, right? CPI report came out 6.9% inflation, highest uh, since I think 1989. And are, are we seeing companies take advantage of the landscape of inflation right now unnecessarily? Or is this something that is just a lot of these things are truly getting passed on to the customer um, and the economy as a whole? I think the Netflix uh, situations uh, specifically is indicative of slowing um, growth to the new um, subscribers. And when that starts to stagnate or, or go down, the only way for the company to remain profitable is to increase their cost or their price on their current consumer because of inflation. Well, because you got the cost, cost of goods of, and services. Cost of goods and services down to the, let's just say, employee level. Yep. So affordability in terms of across the board for humans, us as individuals to live is inflated. Therefore, employees are asking for more money. So there's a stickiness factor in terms of wages and that whole landscape changing. Then there's the cost of doing business, which is inflated across the board. So, of course, it happens. It becomes something that businesses, we're not in business to work for free. Correct. It's ain't socialism, business, right? Yeah, we're capitalistic. We're here to make profit. That profit's supposed to be good and create tax revenue and create money in people's pocket to go put back into the free market. That's the whole idea of a free market, open market capitalism. Right. Um, the thing that I think, though, that that's all pointing to is the fact, and I haven't dug into it, it's literally just a gut check guess, um, is that their subscriber numbers are, are down. Mm. And so in order to keep their books looking good, as an 11% increase on All I know is, dude, I don't spend as much time on Netflix as I did before. Now, I you know, the, the the streaming landscape has gotten much more competitive. A lot of it's free, too. A lot of or it is like free. Or $5. Yep. You know? And you can get pretty premium content. I mean, there's... Okay, hold on. Let's... Let, this, is a, this is a completely off topic. But I want to know, what are your top two or three favorite shows that uh, you're watching right now or have watched in the last six months? Um, I like to watch, we watch Yellowstone in 1883, me and my wife, those are like the same show. So I'll put those into one category. Um, every once in a while on Netflix, there's a documentary on like a serial killer. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Those are any true crime. I'm, I'm I love true crime. Yeah. I don't know why, but I mean, like deep down, I was, I got like a little, whatever your wife's gene is. You're supposed to be an Al Capone. Yeah. Whatever your wife got is her like, has her like, because I know that's her favorite Uh genre. Like 
I have a, I have that bone in my body. Yeah, because I lo- I do too. like them. Yeah, because they're real. Yeah, I think that's the other thing. Is like, wow, this is a real mystery. I can't think. I of grew up thing. loving First Forty Eight. I love First Forty Eight. Real crime. What's the other one? Oh, Righteous Gemstones on HBO. Oh, that's a great that. one. Oh, dude, it's hilarious. It just like makes fun of. I'm like, I'm, re- I'm re- going back through Billions right now. It's good. You know, Bobby Axelrod. Just that. That's like I think my my dark side persona of like just being a, a just a hardcore oh yeah he's just a ruffian he, yeah uh <laughs> the witcher is another one i've been told to watch that one. i, I, I like that it's like lord of the rings ish type deal yeah i like the witcher a lot um of course peaky blinders is always one of my favorites yeah peaky fucking blinds i do love how they have the like just the razor blades in there uh, That's so good so hard i like a lot of the old school and um, Hell on Wheels. Boardwalk Empire. That's Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, Nookie oh, Thompson. Nookie Thompson. Yeah. That, see, there's just something about like that. Mo- oh, Mozart. Ozark. Excuse me. Mozart. I, 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 I struggled with. Mozart. I struggled with. I struggled getting like super into that one. But I think I finished the first season. And I know there's what? It's a little three, dry. Three seasons now. Yeah. Yep. What are you guys' favorite shows? Let us know. I need a new show. 844-447-1555 or tag us on Instagram. So, you know, as we kind of talk about the inflation piece, mm-hmm. we're this last week, you know, seeing Mr. Papa Pow, Jerome yeah. Powell and the Fed get on and, and do his live, um, basically speech, right? Kind of like address yep. of the economy and, and how the Fed is going to combat inflation. What, what did you guys see in here last week and, and what were, because I know you guys do recaps every single week with your analysts, you know, insights. What did you guys see and feel after, you know, hearing him speak? Well, I think the thing, I mean, we're all feeling confident that the market, that global earnings are going to outweigh kind of the waning on the market over the past few weeks, this rotation from tech to value that's been going on over the past four or five months. Um, Interest rate hikes are not, you know, sexy for a lot of uh, things in the short term. It ended up being good for um, people in the long run. I am very much of the opinion that, again, that people will want to buy real assets and not paper assets during a rising interest rate environment. And stocks and real estate are real assets and bonds. And honestly, cryptocurrency and stuff like that, those are paper assets. They don't have anything to back them besides cash, essentially. Yep. So for that reason, certain areas of the stock market are going to continue to do well and should rebound. Um, Coupling that, like I was saying, I think earnings season, if I have, you know, if there's a horse that I freaking ride, let's let's go saddle up the earnings horse again. That's coming back around. I think global earnings are going to shock people and that's going to help rebound. In a good way? In a good way. Yeah. Now, I have no crystal ball. I reserve the right to be wrong, but these are just what we're feeling based on kind of the, what we're seeing in the market. If you're an investor and you're an aggressive investor, like me, my portfolios, your portfolios, a lot of my clients' portfolios have been taking big dives these past few weeks. And the, the, <laughs> I know, but part of investing is taking Ride that risk. shit out. And I, you know, what I've been doing is nibbling at little areas of the market, picking up some more aggressive uh, stock. I know like one stock that I really like to trade um, and this is not financial advice to buy it. And you should talk to your financial advisor before you do so. But I really like Twilio. And that one's down. I mean, I've been trading it and buying it for the past year. It's down almost. 50. What do you like about Twilio? 
they're just very broadly, they're a great growth stock. Um, They have great revenue growth numbers. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. They have some things on their books that are not as sexy, but they're they're just in the cloud computing space. Essentially, when you you're go, bullish on that long term, yeah, like when you get an order from DoorDash and like the order gets confirmed that it was delivered, Twilio is the company that's kind of behind that. That's like what they do. They help their servicers for apps, mm-hmm. and they just they do a lot of the little nitpicky things that are so important, almost like the screw that holds in the hinge. Just it's not the most important piece, but without it, the whole item couldn't work. They do that kind of stuff. And for, for me, I really appreciate that about them. They'll have some exposure to commodities. I'm heavy, heavy, heavy in my personal portfolio, way overweight in, in hyper growth assets, high beta assets, cannabis stock. Um, I have one ETF right now, um, which is a commodities ETF. But that's pretty much it. For my clients that are retirees that are a little bit more like, wanting less risk and stuff, I'm purchasing value stock. I'm kind of staying into the areas that I have less risk right now. And the market's not even open today on MLK Day. Yep. We're just looking at futures. Futures are kind of ticking up a little bit, um, but they're also kind of flattening. They keep doing this bouncing thing. Mm. And that's kind of due to, um, there's a lot of factors going on here right now. Uh, China dropped interest rates. We have European stocks up right now. You're, you're, they don't celebrate MLK Day over there. Uh, European stocks are up about half a percent when I last checked about an hour ago. So there's kind of people are weighing like, okay, what it, what are we trying to see here? Do we think that the market's going to open back up and be really good on that? Is Omicron variant going to pass? What's going on with uh, UK? Because the UK has got, you know, they have this turmoil with Boris Johnson getting reelected and that's flipping on its head. So it's just a lot of moving. Russia. Russia, yeah. There's a lot of moving pieces going on right now. Consumer sentiment is staying still pretty strong. The indicators for it, uh, they do lag a bit, but they are they are remaining strong. 
So really tomorrow when the market opens up, we'll have our indicator of what's going to do good. My guess this week is if anything did really well, it'd be the Dow and the S&P and then the NASDAQ should lag. Uh, futures would say right now that the NASDAQ is down by about a half a percent. And I think that the Dow is down by about eight basis points. Who do you, or, or what do you say to the person that is, well, hey, let me ask you this question. Who should be taking risks right now? Like, is it an age demographic? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, like wh- who should be taking risks right now? Because I was listening to a, a, a podcast this, this last week and it was Rob Deerdeck. Um, and I just love what he's built, you know, watching Fantasy Factory growing up and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Just super badass dude. But like his approach to building businesses and, and building his investment portfolio and buying real estate and like super smart. And, you know, one of the things he said is, you know, we always hear, right, like scared money don't make money. Mm-hmm. Um, dumb money don't make money either. Right. Like Correct. you could still be risky but be making really dumb investment decisions. And so obviously, guys, this is why, you know, we've got Ryan on the show. This is why so many people have called in and taken advantage of the free financial x-rays that him and his team do. And by the way, for those that haven't taken advantage of free financial x-ray or know what that is, that is... Essentially, we'll take a view of what you're currently doing. Um, If it's a large enough portfolio, I'll kind of do a a real build a financial plan on it, do a real in-depth analysis on it. There's a smaller portfolio, 40, 50, 60 grand. I can kind of look at that and peel it back and tell you, hey, this is what I'm seeing. These are some areas we can improve upon. And we'll just tell you what kind of fees you're getting charged, what we could do different, and kind of some holes in your portfolio. We'll help you with your insurance stuff, any of your real estate stuff we can kind of help give you an opinion on. Um, and it's all just a whole picture of what's going on. Is it in your best interest and can right. there be improvements? And, and one of the things that, because I've talked with many of you who have taken advantage of these free financial x-rays and decided to work with Ryan, um, for uh, a variety of reasons. And, you know, one of the things that we see is people egregiously misallocated based on what their goals are and when they're actually trying to achieve those goals into just complete BS stuff that really is not going to get them there. And really, it's just serving the person who put you in it, which is oftentimes all of these excess fees that you shouldn't be paying. And so just making sure that Right now, in times where we are seeing, you know, some volatility in the market, right? Like, this is the time you should have both hands on the steering wheel on your financial plan and knowing where you want to go, you know, knowing that, hey, maybe there's going to be some detours that we have to take here and there. But you better have either a good GPS or a good co-pilot in that seat with you because Mm -hmm. in times like right now, it could be one, uh, uh, an opportunity to take the right calculated and intelligent risks and it weighing out based on what you can risk. And I was just curious on like your thoughts around who should be taking risks right now and you know what some of those risks might look like. People that are young should not be worried about huge losses in their portfolios because you have a time horizon to take those losses and yeah, those like- losses are likely going to be coupled long-term with high rates of return. So for people that are under the age of 45 years old, I mean, you should be primarily and mostly in stocks. People who are getting close to their retirement years, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50 to 60 years old, you should start cranking down your um, equity focus into maybe some alternatives or some cash or some fixed income assets should the market uh, environment uh, be indicative of that. I still will probably always be 70 to 80% in stocks. 
there's more risk in those areas. But if you take calculated risk, like I tend to do, you can quantify what you're risking for what you get in the long run. Mm -hmm. And you make so much more money by being allocated towards towards equities long-term than you do to bonds. And so I will always have most, if not all of my money. And currently right now, I'm a hunt, uh, like the most conservative portfolio I have is a 95.5. So 5% cash or cash equivalents, which is bonds. Everything else I have is 100 or even over 100%. I'm leveraged in equities because I want as much exposure to equities as I can because it's going to make me the most amount of money. So I just, losses are do not sway me. They are times for me to go in and purchase things on a discount. Yep. That's how you have to think about your investments. And if you don't think about your investments that way, you're just, that's why you should A, call me. And the reason you should call me is because you're a novice investor. That's down markets are not always down. They are down for a short period of time and then they are up more often than they are down. Traditionally in the stock market, it's three times out of four you make money. That's 75% of the time your market's up, 25% of the time it's down. That's a fair trade-off. I want to be I want to buy during the 25 and hold during the 75. Yep. That's what you want to do. Well, guys, and that's why there, there's a time to be to humble yourself, right? And just say like, all right, I don't know what I don't know. I need to find somebody who and that's usually that's really been my MO for my growth and success over the years is not because I think I'm the expert or I'm the smartest person in the room or, you know, I know everything. It's knowing when you don't know something and finding out who does that has the track record, that has the reputation, that has the results and the outcomes that you desire and getting in proximity to those people, right? You grow into the conversations that you surround yourself with. And so you start surrounding yourself with people like Ryan, other individuals that have outcomes and results that you desire, you're going to start connecting dots. You're going to start, you know, seeing things in a different way. You're going to start digesting information a little bit easier, and it's going to help you craft what you believe is the next best decision for yourself. And so I love in light of MLK Day and all the amazing quotes that he had, right? Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Mm -hmm. And I would even add to that and say that if you have somebody there that has seen around a couple corners of that staircase and can hold your hand on some of those steps, even better, right? And that's why we love to have these conversations. So if you guys want to take advantage of the free financial x-ray, just text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. You know, and as we were talking about how really the Fed is going to be combating inflation, you know, we've been talking about interest rates rising and, you know, to start out the year, um, you know, get ready, guys, the climb is coming. So here's what history says about the stock market uh, returns during Fed rate hike cycles. And this is really something too, that you guys can, you know, apply this to real estate. It's been 30 years since the US 10 year yield rose this much to start the year. Um, at least rising again so far in 2022. Uh, what we see here, what was it? It jumped. So let's see, yields for the 10-year treasury note yielded 1.771% Friday afternoon, which means that yields have climbed about 26 basis points in the first 10 trading days to start a calendar year, which would be the briskest 
uh, such rise since 1992, according to the Dow Jones market data. So back 30 years ago, the 10-year rose 32 basis points um, to around 7% to start the year. But really, this is something that it's necessary, right? Yeah, it has to be. They have to do it. We've been seeing other, though, big investors, um, you know, talking about, what was it, Bill Ackman? I think, what did he say? Oh, he was saying that he thinks that the Fed should just do one aggressive interest rate hike by about 50 basis points. 50 basis points. Because people are losing faith in the Fed, and I just don't think that that's... That was that was what I was getting. At. Yeah. So, I don't, so I don't are, think are people losing? No, I don't trust think so. in the Fed. I no. mean, you hear a lot of these big, right? Like the Peter Schiffs, a lot of the fringe, you know, doomsday type of the the Kiyosakis that are, you know, hedge the dollar fund, is collapsing. Hedge and fund managers always have a portfolio that they're selling. You got to remember that, and so they're just they're just selling their portfolio. So that means that he obviously is in a lot of areas that will do very well if interest rates rise and if that something like that happened or he has bets on that to happen a lot of money will be made it's the same person that was you know doomsdaying that the market was going to completely fall out and he was buying the market while it was falling out so i just i take his stuff with a grain of salt uh Pershing square capital is a which is bill aikman's uh, hedge fund is a um what do they call them uh activist investor meaning they try to go in and shake things up and cause which he's got a fucking phenomenal track record of doing by the way like minus when he when he fucked around with herbalife and he shorted herbalife and it never went down he lost billions of dollars on that short other than that though other than that he's done pretty good like every every shakeup i've heard him talk about he's been on the right side of yeah outside of that one he's pretty respected he lost he lost a really big one but all the big players when you lose it's big um so yeah i i would take that with a grain of salt i think that the thing that i would um say is if you don't check that nancy pelosi uh portfolio tracker she's pushing uh purchase and spy uh, calls, which calls if, if you think the market's going to go up, purchase call options. So I'm pretty bullish on the market, not for that reason, but that's a good indicator. Yeah, that probably hey, right. our girl Nancy, she's had a pretty good track record she does too. Pretty good. Well, let's give you guys some high frequency indicators for the economy that, you know, at least these are things that we believe to be good indicators as to maybe trends or, or direction. Yeah, what the Data that doing. might be something that could give you a cue or a tip of the hat in terms of the health or, or the alternative, right? The, that not so healthy um, aspects of the economy. These indicators are mostly for travel and entertainment. So, you know, take it within that context. Um, airlines, Transportation Security Administration, TSA. The TSA provides, right, daily travel numbers. Um, this data is uh, as of January 16th, so Sunday. This data shows the seven-day average of daily total traveler throughout the TSA. Um, Looks like it's down. It's down right now. Yeah, yeah seven-day average is down about a 24%, 23.9%. percent from the same day in 2019. Yep. Which, if... You compare that to 2020, it's down a little bit as well. And it looks like the restaurants are kind of doing the same thing. Second is restaurants. Yep. So this is uh, data from Open Table. Um, essentially, the second graph shows the seven-day average of the year-over-year changes in diners as tabulated by Open Table for the U.S. and several selected cities. 
The data is, let's see, is a sample of restaurants on the Open Table Network across all channels. Dining was mostly moving sideways, but there has been some decline recently, probably due to obviously the spike that we've seen um, in you know COVID or the Omicron or Delta variant, whatever it may be. Uh, the seven-day average for the U.S. is down 27% compared to 2019. Movie tickets, box office. This data shows domestic box office for each week in the median for the years 2016 through 2019. Um, so what we're seeing is movie ticket sales were at 83 million last week. That is down 62% from the median for the week. Hotel occupancy, speak in my language. Uh, short-term rentals. The graph shows the seasonal pattern for the hotel occupancy rate using the four-week average. And the four-week average of the occupancy rate will increase seasonally over the next few months. The question is how much based on will business travel return? So data shows that the occupancy rate was down 14.9% compared to the same week in 2019. We've got transit. So this graph is from Apple Mobility. From Apple, this data is generated by counting the number of requests made to Apple Maps for directions. And what we're seeing here is uh, public transit in the seven-day average for the U.S. is at 86% of the January 2020 level. I'm not really sure. What is that? Like, what Essentially, does that tell? it's just saying last January, there was 14, there 14% more people on the road than there are today. Mm. And all that really has to do with is like traffic. Yeah. So I really don't know why that's a huge people, I guess, commuting to and from work. Or... Yeah, it's mainly to show people going to and from work. Got it. That's that's the thing that I would say it's most New York City about. subway usage. That's um, also which obviously is is probably huge. similar to that piece, right? And mainly because it's a financial it's the financial headquarters of the world currently. Manhattan is about twenty nine percent of uh, normal impacted by holidays too. So, so really, I mean, what, what do you take from from this? The main one that I um, I like to see is the airline and the hotel occupancy. Mm -hmm. Hotel occupancy ticking up means people are driving to local places. Yep. Probably, uh, we have a lot of that in California. You can drive up to Tahoe, so you don't need to fly. Um, I would say that normally during this time of year, flights take a dip because there's not a ton of places to travel from January to March that are very, very, very sexy or exciting. So that's pretty normal to me as well. I don't think airline travel is going to spike up. And I think the fact that there's a, there's a variant out there is not going to help it at all either. I do think, though, this is all, everything is leaning and pointing towards that this summer will be the last time we have to deal with any sort of variant of, of COVID or something because the Democrats are going to have to have to and want to get reelected. And that's going to be something that they can't, they can't keep around for too much longer. Yeah, this is a critical year for the the Democrats. That's for damn sure. Oh, 100%. There's, there's a lot of stuff that they they can't afford to screw up at at this stage of the game and it's it's definitely not looking good. It's crunch time uh, right now. It's literally it's crunch time. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how as we head out of these winter months what, you know, the overall sentiment and data shows from economic, you know, reports to obviously the the market reports to real estate what i do know about real estate right now guys is yeah we we know they're they're going to continue to bump rates up and the best thing you can do as an investor right now it, right there's good debt and there's bad debt and some of the best debt that you can ever take is debt to buy real estate debt always should be used to purchase 
cash flow, which is the only time you'll hear me quote Robert Kiyosaki. But that's not Robert Kiyosaki. That's just common sense. <laughs> debt should only be used to purchase cash flow. If you are using debt to purchase a car, mm-hmm. that is not a normal that, that's, bad debt. That's bad debt. Yep. That's not what, not a thing I would discourage it's you. It's a depreciating you to, asset. Correct. But you know, there's a lot. Of, I've had so many people this past week ask me, oh, should I take a loan for my life insurance policy to buy a car? Oof. Why the fuck would you do that? Why would you take a loan that even if that loan could produce compounding interest, why would you put it towards something that immediately makes your money not work for you? Yeah. That's very stupid. Um, somebody who's telling you to do that is trying to sell you an insurance policy. So just mark my words. One of the things that you guys probably do already know, but Ryan being one of the top five insurance, life insurance brokers in the entire country, this is something that he has helped a lot of investors in terms of the infinite banking concept, right? Which is ultimately becoming your own bank where you get obviously all of the traditional benefits of what a life insurance plan would be, but utilizing it as an investment vehicle to go out and fund other investments and playing the arbitrage game. And we've Mm -hmm. had many of you reach out and take advantage of that too. So if you guys haven't hit him up in regards to that, text the word X-ray to 844-447-1555. And that will be something that um, in my opinion, is is an absolute necessity, especially if you're a real estate investor and you're somebody that wants to continue buying real estate and do it in a very intelligent way. The infinite banking concept is something that some of the wealthiest real estate investors and family offices um, that I know of have used to build their wealth over time. And still, right, you got that actual safety net of a life benefit in case something crazy happens. So don't forget to take advantage of that. But yeah, I mean, right now it is still historically in terms of interest rates over the lifetime of interest rates, Low. the lowest of lows. And so you want to get, especially with right 6.9% inflation and who knows what that's going to look like in six or 12 months, get that into hard assets. Amen. Get that into hard assets. If you can be a great operator and find the right opportunities, of course, we all know you make your money when you buy. So if you guys are underwriting your deals properly, I don't care if it's a small single family, I don't care if it's a fourplex, I don't care if it's you know a commercial building, I don't care if it's a Airbnb, a boutique hotel, I don't care. Get cheap money paired with your money yeah. into hard assets that are going to appreciate. And that's not even talking about all the other benefits taxes, in terms of depreciation, cost flow, segregation. Refinance, like, yeah, I mean, no taxes. So... Now is the time to not be scared, guys. And if you're thinking, oh, the market's in a bubble or it's going to crash, guess what? You're going to be there next year, too. Real estate is going to be one of the safest vehicles for you to mitigate any of that risk and to ultimately protect yourself from any of the turbulence that you might see in our economy as a whole. whole. It's just, it is what it is. Like, historically... You heard it from me first. And look over the timeline of how many crashes and financial dips. And the top two things are still stocks and real estate. Real estate and stocks. Stocks and And, real estate. And that's not going to change. No, it ain't cash. And it ain't crypto, in my opinion. It's not crypto. Bonds are not even as good. They're great. They're better than cash and they're better than gold, but they're not as good. Just stocks and real estate. Real assets will always appreciate better than paper assets. It's just a fact of the matter. Yep, absolutely. So with that being said, if you guys got any questions for us, shoot us a text at 844-447-1555. If you're not on my deals list for syndications, shoot the text D 
deals to 844-447-1555. Take advantage of your free financial x-ray to connect with Ryan and his amazing team. And if you enjoy our show, guys, all we ask is that you support us by hitting that subscribe button, leaving a five-star review on iTunes, sharing it with a friend, a family member, tag us on social media. We love connecting with you guys. And until next week, we'll see you guys. Cheers. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that x-ray, one word to 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals, be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole, a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next Keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.